This is Marketing Trends, your number one source for exclusive interviews with chief marketing officers and executive marketing leaders in the Fortune 1000 and beyond. This is Jeremy Bergeron, and I interview, collaborate, and partner with world-class CMOs and marketing leaders across industries. Brightspot Content Management System enables marketers to launch in just 100 days. It efficiently manages marketing campaigns on mobile apps or updates investors on your corporate site, handling it all seamlessly. With over 100 plus different content types and templates, marketers can deliver a customized, relevant experience to your audience. Additionally, integrate your current marketing automations platform and SEO recommendations directly from your Brightspot content management system, simplifying tool management. Discover more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Marketing Trends. This is your host, Jeremy Bergeron. I'm super excited. I'm coming at you from the Austin studio, as always. And I am super stoked to talk about a really brilliant human being representing a brilliant brand today. Now, I hope everyone's actually sitting down when I when I mention this person and, and this brand. If you're driving, keep both hands on the wheel. You're gonna be inclined to pull over and I understand that, but just please pay attention because this conversation could go all kinds of amazing places. James Diet, welcome to Marketing Trends. And I, I, wanna, I wanna preface this by letting people know a little bit about who you are and, and the brand that you're working with. So James has a really cool background currently he serves as the head of strategic accounts at OpenAI. He joined the company this year, I believe, in February. And then prior to joining OpenAI, he served as head of strategic accounts Americas for Stripe, shout out Stripe, was also chief of staff and a product manager for Castlight Health. And he also, previous to that, served on the National Economic Council for the White House. So James, welcome to Marketing Trends. We're super stoked to have you. Thanks for the intro, Jeremy. Quite the intro. Yeah. Well, man, I love your background. And I think all of that is going to lend itself to what you're doing now at OpenAI. And I want to stop there because there may be one or two people, maybe one, who doesn't know about OpenAI. But for the folks that just aren't clear or they think it's called ChatGPT, tell the world what you're doing at OpenAI. What is OpenAI? And what are you doing as head of strategic accounts at OpenAI? Sure thing. So OpenAI is working to ensure that artificial intelligence benefits all of humanity. Um, as you mentioned, we're most well known for our own product, which is called ChatGPT. What we're less well known for is that we also provide tools for businesses and developers to use our technology to improve their own products. So my role is to work really closely with a small group of OpenAI's customers to help them improve their business with our tech. Um, often what happens is an executive at a business will come visit us with a vision of how to use AI in their products. So often, you know, the, the typical meeting will be somebody at a company has been using ChatGPT all the time, nights and weekends, super excited about how it can change their business. And they want to get from this vision they have, this sort of kernel of an idea, of how AI can um, make a huge difference for their customers uh, to that actually becoming a reality. 
And my job is to marshal all the resources on the open AI side to help make them successful. Super interesting. As you describe that experience, I'm like, I'm the guy at our company that's like, like now you probably hear this all the time, James, but it's like when I when I log into my computer, I open up my email, I open up my calendar, and I open up ChatGPT. It has become just a, a powerful tool in my arsenal as a marketer, as a host, as, I mean, it, it has deepened, I've been hosting this show for almost three years, and ChatGPT alone has deepened my experience as a host, allowing me to come up with just much better creative angles and questions and content and just been so incredible. And we're, we're up all the time thinking about different use cases in the media game specifically. So I guess knowing that, how are you sleeping right now? Because there's a lot of businesses, I mean, small and medium enterprise customers that are all either testing or actively in this in this you know platform at some level. How are you identifying what's even strategic? Because there's so much there's so much coming at you and at the brand and so many different use cases. But yeah, how do you even like shuffle things through? Because I'd imagine that you have the same time that we have, and you're probably super super busy. Yeah, it's a great it's a great point. I'm not sleeping as much as, as I do. And uh, <laughs> folks are super excited about what we're doing at OpenAI. The way we think about it is we're uh, where I think we're different from other businesses is the level of commitment we have to our mission. So we're really, really focused. Everything comes back to how can we make sure that AI benefits all of humanity. So as these businesses walk in the door, we're thinking about, okay, what is their vision for using our technology? Do we think that our tech is a good fit for the vision they've set out for us? And can we make them successful in partnership in the relatively near term? Because it's important to us that this technology benefits people also soon and not just something that is like always six months, 12 months, two years away. Uh, so for us, strategic also has a time element to it. We're really hoping to partner with, with companies uh, that are going to build something um, and have it live for their customers relatively soon. Okay. So you came on board in February. Now, I think that was, were they at 100 million users by that time already or, or were about to crest that when you, when you came on board? Yeah, so I assume you mean ChatGPT users. ChatGPT, yeah, users, yeah. Yeah, so we were we were operating at significant scale at that point. Okay, okay. So just just from a a, a perspective of like joining such velocity and joining such there's such growth and such demand. I mean, everyone knows, most everyone knows that records were records were broken in those first few months. What was that like for just you, like being a part of that? Um, did you did you at that time realize how massive this thing was going to be? Did you just kind of take a risk and say, okay, it looks exciting, but like a lot could happen between now and then? What was it like jumping into that kind of velocity of growth? Yeah. So I my journey to OpenAI really started um, with the launch of Dolly. So okay. I played okay. around with some of the early text models and was blown away. But I admit, I didn't see the business application immediately. I wasn't as as prescient. There's, there's a reason I'm not a venture capitalist. I don't always see things before the market does. But when Dolly came out, I was blown away. And for those on your podcast who don't know, Dolly is our image generation model. So essentially, you can type 
any description into the prompt window, and out will come a beautiful image. And when I saw that the first time, it was this aha moment, like, okay, this is just what OpenAI is doing around images. I got to imagine that uh, this technology can be used in a lot of different areas. I didn't quite know how, but I got really excited about it. And so I started to talk to people at OpenAI and hear about how customers were using the technology. Then I got even more excited. And I accepted a role before ChatGPT was even released. So I accept the job. I think, okay, you know, I'll get started in January and, uh, you know, and, and start building out the team. And, you know, a week after I accept the job, uh, ChatGPT gets released. And suddenly, you know, my parents are like, well, you know, I, I think I now know what that company you're about to join. And <laughs> my friends are, are thinking, oh, your timing is really great. And I had no idea ChatGPT was coming at all. Um, but I did know that when I walked in the door, um, things were going to be really busy. And, and they sure have been. To say it lightly, yeah, no, that's that's incredible. So uh, obviously, you know, we're talking about OpenAI. It's it's blown up in the Chat GPT realm. It's become part of this zeitgeist of experience. What would you say is like the main branding message of OpenAI? Has that changed much recently due to all the increased attention, or has it kind of stayed core to uh, its original kind of message of what it stands for? Sure, I don't think the message has changed. The message. Okay has always been, we are focused on building AI that benefits all of humanity. What has changed is probably the medium for that message. So if you speak to people at OpenAI who built ChatGPT, they will tell you they had no idea it would be as popular and that the usage would be as widespread globally. I mean, we're not just talking about the United States, like all over the world as it has been. And so what I think has happened is the mission and the branding hasn't changed, but how our me- message gets out is now not just through the AI community and through developers who may have been familiar with OpenAI for many years, but also through ChatGPT, which has allowed us to connect directly with millions of people uh, who use the product every day. I didn't realize that I was going to stop using Google as much. I mean, like, I'm sure you maybe hear that maybe quite a bit, and maybe it's been your experience too. I mean, I, I spent a few years working at Google. Appreciate you, Google. Big G, had a good experience. <laughs> and, like, I mean, I have, as a researcher and a marketer and someone who just, like, loves knowledge and loves learning, and Google has always been such a, an, an amazing tool for me in my whole career. And if you look at my browser history, you will see that Google's not getting much love from me. I'm getting so much value from just purely chat GPT. Um, and I'm wondering if you've also started to see that kind of across the board. Are you seeing a lot of people like using it as their primary knowledge resource? Oh, for sure. And I, I think that what what people say is that not only is it replacing some of the searching they might have done on uh, search engines in the past, but it's unlocking a whole new set of questions they wouldn't be able to ask in the past. So I'll give you an example for me personally. Um, I often have questions about my own uh, circumstances. So um, I was curious recently about, you know, about some financial decisions that I was going to make. And I was able to, in a single prompt, describe who I am, you know, what, uh, what the interest rates are today, what taxes look like, uh, 
uh, what state I'm in, and get a response instantly that helped me answer this difficult financial question. And I thought to myself, you know, if I tried to Google that, I would have probably had to go like read up on the tax code, figure out what the interest rates are today, you know, understand what state taxes are, um, all of this. And ChatGPT was just able to take all these disparate parts of knowledge out there and consolidate them into a really elegant answer that was like personalized for me. It was just a ma- magic experience. And that, that sort of thing happens like every day. It's, it, it, what's interesting about the product from my perspective is it's not one of those things that gets sort of fades for me over time. Every day, a little, I, I sort of get used to it doing something magical, but I also discover a new way to use it that's, you know, as magical as, yes. as, as you know, um, you know, as the first time I used it. And so as I figure out these new ways to, and I'm, I'm curious if you, you've had the same experience, Jeremy, but as I figure out these new ways to, to take advantage of ChatGPT, the love that it's getting in my browser is, is definitely increasing. Yeah. I mean, it's it, like you mentioned venture capital. It's like, I'm not a finance guy. I don't have a finance background. I have friends that are in venture capital and private equity, and I'm interested in that space. I don't have that background. And so I, this was just recently, and I went to chat GPT and was like, teach me about venture capital. And also like, I'm not a finance person. So teach it to me like I'm a fifth grader. Right. And so chat GPT is breaking down these big financial concepts about how to explain venture capital. So now when I you know sit in the boardroom or look at certain opportunities and deals, like I can actually bring understanding to a space because chat GPT taught me as if I was a you know a kid. And I could <laughs> and I could and I could layer, you know, on top of that, okay, teach me a bit more, go a little bit deeper. The other really cool thing I've learned and I've been using this quite a bit is is turning it into a a tutor to teach me something, but based on like my learning style. Yes. So like, do I want yes. it to tell me stories? Do I want it to go deep or wide? Do I want it to test my my repetition? And so putting in a little bit of code and turning this into like a, a, a really interesting um, teacher that I always wished I had, right? I mean, we all go to school and we all kind of get taught kind of one way, you sit in a class, you, hopefully the teacher's a good teacher and you get, you know, here's the information, but I could take this technology and I could choose any topic in the world and then it could start to teach me in a way that actually spoke to my style. That blew my mind. I couldn't agree more and I'll tell you a funny story. I, um, ChatGPT taught me how to work at OpenAI, which is a little bit meta, but you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting started and I'll be in a meeting um, and somebody will say something that's pretty technical, and I'll I'll be nodding along and think I don't know what that is. And after the meeting, I'll ask ChatGPT, and so ChatGPT, in in a, in a way, is sort of helping me um, become a, a better OpenAI employee. So there's some some sort of like meta, uh, you know, meta ness to that whole experience. Oh, that's awesome, man. I've been asking uh, a handful of chief marketing officers. We get a lot of CMOs on the show, like Fortune 1000, big brands, a lot of like pre-IPO brands, fast growth. And it's interesting to hear some of them are testing it, playing with it. Some of them like surprise me and just aren't really doing much with it. And I'm I'm like, wow, it's so interesting. They'll say their teams are are leveraging it a little bit and testing it here and there. But it, it surprises me that... And I'd love to hear from you on this of just, you know, thinking Fortune 1000, like big brands in that space. Like, are you also finding that there's still a gap there of like just 
executives and their teams really diving into this technology and using it a lot more than they actually could. It surprised me. I thought everybody would be nerding out like me at some level, but when I hear things like, oh, I mean, a little bit, I've tried it here and there, but I just know they're not going deep on it. And I'm curious what you're kind of finding macro. Yeah. So I see the same. And I, I think they're, I look at it in two dimensions. One is generally what industries are using it more. And if you sort of look on one side of the spectrum, tech companies tend to have uh, a lot higher usage of chat GPT in the office. Um, and on the other side might be companies um, that, you know, frankly, like for good reason, aren't using it that often. Like if you're running a, um, you know, working at a restaurant or working in manufacturing, it might not be as useful uh, to you as if you're writing code every day. But then when you dive in to those individual industries, um, I've talked to people in manufacturing, like, like CEOs in, in that space, who are absolutely obsessed with ChatGPT. So within every industry, there's going to be some variation. I've talked to sure. you know, tech CEOs who sort of you know, haven't found those killer use cases at the moment. So I do think people matter too. And it's not always obvious who those people are that are just going to figure out how to make ChatGPT transform their daily work. And at least in my experience, it's I've been surprised pleasantly to see like the diversity of people who are getting a ton of value from the product. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to double click into use cases here. I know I was kind of I was waiting to get into that, but I just want to dive into some of the. Maybe you can talk about some of the industry, you know, use cases or examples stuff you're you're seeing that are really exciting, and maybe also tee up how, because we get a lot of executives that listen to this show, so maybe even tee up how they can be thinking about it as well. Um, maybe, again, like some of them just need to zoom out a bit and think like where this application is really useful inside of their organizations. But tell us about some really cool use cases. Um, would love to hear some of the stuff you're seeing within industries, high level, mid-level, however you want to go. Sure. Um, happy to do that. So the first piece of advice I give any executive that's thinking about how to use OpenAI's tools is you want to think about what we're bringing to the market as a reasoning engine. So um, when you've got a bunch of data and you want help making sense of it, in a sense, what you want is an assistant to whether it's help your employees or help your customer. Um, if you can think of a place for an assistant in a workflow that's probably a good place to think about whether OpenAI's technology can be helpful. So let me give some examples. Morgan Stanley is a customer of ours, and they have thousands of financial advisors who are providing advice to, uh, to clients every day. They have used our technology to provide an assistant for all those financial advisors. So if one of their clients asks a question like, hey, um, what do you think home prices are going to do in the next year? Morgan Stanley can ask the Morgan Stanley assistant, which is powered by GPT-4, that question. GPT-4 will search all of the research that uh, Morgan Stanley has done on home prices, on interest rates, on uh, you know, asset prices generally, and provide that advisor with 
advice on what to to tell their client. So that's one fun use, and you can sort of see how it's like a co-pilot for these financial advisors. Let's take that analogy to another domain that's super different. Uh, Duolingo is using our technology to uh, to provide a more personalized tutor for people who are trying to use the language. So again, super different, but the idea is it's that assistant that's sitting next to you, helping you with a task that might have been more challenging, learning a language, than it needs to be. If you've got uh, an assistant that can make it personalized, that can take the context um, uh, that's, that's relevant for you and help you do your job better um, or learn something new. Uh, you know, another, another example I'll provide is how our technology is actually powering a whole suite of new startups. So there's a company called Harvey that is built from the ground up on uh, AI. And Harvey is helping law firms uh, reimagine how to provide legal guidance. And it's the assistant for law firms. So, you know, all that's to say, when you're talking to the executives that you do, think of assistant for X in your business. And that's probably mm. a really good place to start when you're thinking about how to how to embed AI into your business. That's that's a good distinction. And you mentioned Morgan Stanley. We had uh, their CMO, Alice Milligan, on the show oh, great. last year. Yeah, she's fantastic. Um, I mean, incredibly, incredibly sharp marketing leader. And I love that they're already dancing uh, with OpenAI. That's fantastic. No, I'm not surprised, Alice. Shout out to you. <laughs> um, cool. I love that. And Harvey, I, I'm put a pin in that one. I want to. I'm going to go and circle back later. But what a how many how many companies like that are you seeing where they're like literally built on like, like the foundation like and it's built on this technology? Are you seeing a lot more of that? Oh my gosh! I mean, we're seeing a lot of companies, but more than that, we're seeing a lot of founders and developers. So mm. about once a week, we have we host something called an OpenAI Day, um, okay. where we invite founders to um, to come to our offices and hear more about how they can use our technology. And I so I speak to those groups. Once a week, and there are probably three dozen founders at each of those events. So okay. I, a lot of those businesses uh, we haven't even seen yet. Um, and so I'm wow. super excited six months from now to, um, uh, to see what those, those folks have built. So, so for OpenAI Day, is that, is that available to, to, to founders that want to kind of look and maybe you know, apply to, hey, be invited? Or is this all selected from the inside out? How does that work? I haven't heard of yeah, that. Yeah, often we're working with um, investors. So they'll okay. bring like all of the founders in their portfolio over okay. to our offices. Um, but we're like, we want to work with, if you're a founder and you're interested in working with our technology, reach out to us. Uh, we'd be super pumped to, to talk to you. Love it. Okay. So I think recently OpenAI introduced the, the chat GPT app, right? The iOS app. Yes. I, right. And how, how has that rollout gone? And, and were there any challenges of kind of bringing that offering to the market? Well, I think it's gone really well. Um, we, we've, we've done well in the app store. But, you know, I do hear from folks that while it's really exciting uh, you know, a lot of them are were using already ChatGPT on mobile web. They just have a nicer interface now to to do that. Um, so I think that it's the start of something for us in in terms of a more native experience. And um, and so I don't, you know, it it wasn't a mission accomplished moment. It was very much like sort of uh, a new step of um, 
of how our customers can interact with with the technology. I get that. Yeah, because I literally just had it bookmarked on my browser. I was just like, boop, on my iPhone, bookmark is right there, log in. Um, In fact, that's, that's what I'm still using. I need to check the app out and download that. There has been more of an effort from other brands, right, to come out with competing products and services to what OpenAI offers. I know sometimes you know, sometimes, not always, but sometimes you have these really awesome brands that kind of come, they, they come to market and then some time passes and you kind of see all the arrows in their back of like the, all the, all the competitors have kind of like surpassed them. They got there first, but now it's like they, they weren't able to maintain that edge. From your perspective, like how does OpenAI keep itself differentiated with so much noise now coming into the space? Like it's, yeah, like it's kind of your fault, OpenAI. You, you, you kick the door down and now they're all coming through it, right? But what do you, what's your perspective there and how do they kind of stay on top? Yeah, so I, I think there are a couple ways that we can continue to, to lead on AI. You know, the first and most important is if we build the best models, I think in the long run, that's going to be the differentiation. So people aren't using OpenAI just because we were the first to launch ChatGPT. They're using OpenAI because GPT-4 is the best performing AI model in the world, period, at this moment. And if we continue to improve on capabilities and model behavior, I think that's going to be like the ultimate determination on you know, who ends up being most successful here. I think there are a couple areas, though, that I would add to this that are are really important that might be less obvious. One is, you know, we can think about competitors from a like chatbot perspective. Um, and in many cases, I wouldn't call them competitors because they're built on our technology and they're focused on a specific type of end user. So they're going to be chatbots for healthcare and chatbots for um, education. And they might be built on our technology And that's great from our perspective. It's just people getting value from AI and the brands that they interact with might not be ChatGPT, and that's totally fine. ChatGPT is going to be um, focused on a really broad population and consumer base, but there's tons of room for for businesses to build on top of OpenAI's models and serve uh, a more narrow vertical use case. And I think we're going to see that, and it's going to be awesome. The second area I think that's really important for us as a brand is is around safety. So there's been a lot of discussion uh, around safety in the media, in the public discourse, and I didn't realize the degree to which our emphasis on safety is a competitive differentiator. So um, when I talk to executives, they're super concerned about their brand, and they don't want to have their logo on, a, you know, on a conversation with an AI powered by another lab um, that is saying something that they wish it didn't say. Because at the end of the day, if it's the insert your brand chatbot, they're going to be the ones who are going to face the the consequences of that. So all of the work we've done to make sure that our uh, outputs, um, meaning the things that the model uh, responds... um, are are safe and um, uh, you know and unbiased. Uh, that ends up being really really important to our ability to differentiate in the market. The the last thing I'd say is 
you know, and this is true of any company. I think the way you differentiate is you really, really listen to your customers. And so the day that we stop listening to our customers, that's the day when we're going to fall behind. Our customers are telling us every day what they want us to build. They want GPT-4 to be faster. I hear you, I hear you everybody. We're listening. <laughs> they, they want GPT-4 to be cheaper. We're listening mm-hmm. to that too. Mm-hmm. Um, they want a lot of things that are pretty obvious now, but they'll keep telling us those things until we build them. And um, and so it's really our job to just be good listeners. I, I love that answer, and all of our marketing leaders will appreciate that doubling down on the customer, and that you know that's not going to go away. You're right. The, the the minute we forget about that really important piece, then that's when things start to really shift. Totally. How do you measure like the impact of the of the technology? How do you how are you measuring success? Yeah, this is a great question because I think we're a little bit different than other companies in how we think about success. So for your audience, OpenAI is governed by a nonprofit. And so we take the mission really seriously about AI that benefits all of humanity. So in that sense, at past companies I've worked at, uh, you could look at revenue. And that was that was the score, scoreboard. And you could, um, you could feel, you know, obviously you're not going to uh, earn revenue if you don't create a lot of value for your customers. But you had a pretty good sense of, well, if the revenue number looks good, then, then we're successful as a company. At OpenAI, that's important. And we, we want to build a sustainable business because we need to in order to achieve our mission. But we're also really paying attention to how um, the, the public feels about AI. And so that means that our, the, the ways that our customers use our technology is really, really important. And frankly, it's one of the ways that um, we, it's, it's how we think about where we want to invest with those customers that are really changing the way that things are done in their industry more positively. And, um, and so that, from our perspective, uh, that's like just super, super important. Mm. When will the, the knowledge resource go beyond 2021? Yeah, so right now, if you uh, are a ChatGPT Plus user, uh, we are connected to the inter- internet. So um, if you uh, ask a question to ChatGPT, uh, it will go into browsing mode um, okay. if it's a current question. So I can uh, ask who won uh, the, right now, as, as we're chatting, the NBA finals are going on, who won uh, the NBA finals game yesterday? Um, and ChatGPT will, uh, will call a browser um, and be able to answer that question. And so that's how we're going to solve the the problem of getting real-time information into ChatGPT. Okay, got it. Let's let's click or shift a little bit into kind of international kind of expansion, right? Like what are obviously this is not just a US opportunity. This is a global, you know, and and probably soon to be intergalactic opportunity, right? <laughs> but what are what are what are some of the challenges of expanding a brand like OpenAI to new countries or territories? How do you approach that? Cuz that brings a whole different you know, a whole different can of opportunity and worms potentially. Totally. So one of the best parts of this job, um, and I I spent my early career working very internationally. I spent uh, the first five years in, on the African continent. So I love meeting with uh, with people who aren't, uh, aren't from the United States and sort of hearing about their experiences with w- whatever I'm building at the time. Right now that's, um, you know, that's open AI. And when our potential customers walk in the door, 
from Germany, from Thailand, uh, from Japan. I ask them, how does ChatGPT do in, you know, in Japanese? How is it in Thai? And they tell me it's amazing. And so right from the start of the conversation, we're in a place where ChatGPT is an international product. It speaks uh, languages extremely well. I'm sure you have many uh, listeners who are bilingual, trilingual, um, and have tried ChatGPT in a language other than English. And it's remarkable. And so um, for us, going international doesn't require um, us to change the product in any way which is really different from a lot of businesses. Often you have to, there's the whole concept of localization. Okay, right. I've got this yes. great product. How do I localize it for insert market here? Exactly. Well, we still have to think about that, but we have, we're off to a pretty darn good start when ChatGPT speaks Marathi almost as well as, it, as ChatGPT's first iteration spoke English. So in other words, GPT-4 has become as good a speaker of almost every language as GPT-3 was at English. So the language capabilities of our models are improving significantly. And on a human level, when somebody comes into our office, um, I will do the demo in their local language. And that brings it alive and um, makes the conversation super rich. So I think um, it's one of the things I'm most excited about. And uh, Sam, our, our CEO, um, is is on a world tour right now, oh, okay. going to talk with um, with developers and government officials and business leaders all over the world. And um, you know, I know that uh, he's he's been learning a lot. You know, the reception that he's getting in all yeah. those places. Well, he should have taken you, James. I guess that's the ne the, ne the next tour he's taking James. Let's, come on, I, he Sam, does better with James. jet lag than I do. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, I'm curious about this. There's so look. I mean, like. To me, it's like the use cases just seem to continue, right? The utility of OpenAI is just vast. You have all of these really interesting use cases. You have all of these really smart people up and coming, you know, in the game, developer background, self-taught, just brilliant minds. Humans are just absolutely brilliant. And they're, you know, using this technology to do all kinds of things. How, how does OpenAI like pay attention to the innovation that's popping up. Like there's a use case in South Africa, there's a use case in, you know, in Eastern China or whatever it is. It's like, there's so much innovation happening. There's so many interesting, you know, and smart people doing things with it. Do you, does OpenAI have a way to like pay attention to like, that's a really interesting use case. Like we can actually use that for this other brand or whatever, right? Like, is there, is that actively being looked at? Cause there, to me, you have so many users, so many, so much thing, so much activity. How do you capture like the genius that's being developed with with the technology too? It's funny because I I couldn't agree more that what this is that sort of, the sort of technology that if you just let brilliant people take advantage of it, they're going to do brilliant things, right? This is not something where um, uh, you have to be super prescriptive of this is how you are supposed to use ChatGPT. You're only supposed to use it in these three ways. Um, the beauty of it is it's it's literally just a text box. And people are filling that text box with all sorts of prompts. One of the fun uh, ways 
to, to see how people are using ChatGPT is go onto Twitter. And you'll see all these screenshots um, of, uh, you know, of amazing conversations that nobody would have thought to have with ChatGPT, and it's absolutely nailing them. And so a lot of ideas, I think, come from just being really aware of what's happening on Twitter, listening, seeing what new companies are being built and what they're doing. Um, and then you have to get out there and talk to, um, talk to people because we're, you know, a, a lot of those individual use cases um, that are most exciting might be from by people who aren't super online. <laughs> like, you know, maybe you right. and I are on Twitter. They might be, um, I actually heard uh, one of my good friends, his, uh, his mom works at a nonprofit and she's writing grants with ChatGPT in rural Ohio. I don't think she's on Twitter. If she is, um, she's probably not super active on Twitter, but she's found a way to make her job um, a lot more fun because she she told him she doesn't love writing grants. Uh, she likes to do all sorts of other parts of, <laughs> that's why you join a nonprofit is to do the work, not to write the grants. And so she's able to focus more on the work. And so those are the type of stories that I try to keep, keep my um, ear out for. Mm. Where is open AI like building community? To me, you just have there's there's you have these, you know, avid users, these pro fans like myself, and you, you know, every day, tell me more, give me more. Um, where can where are these communities gathering? I mean, is, is open AI, you know, is because I, I haven't really seen necessarily a space. Is there a platform or something where people are just gathering together to come around this really cool mission? And if so, like where where is that happening? Because what a cool opportunity for community and building that. I mean, it's happening on most every social media platform right now. Mm -hmm. So um, we've got a Discord server. It's happening okay. on um, on Facebook. There are whole Instagram accounts uh, that are like the Dolly image of the day. Um, you know, there are Twitter influencers. I, I'm sure we've all seen it of the 10 things you need to know about AI this week. Every day, so every day. There are those online communities. Also in, in cities, there are... Um, hackathons that are happening all the time. And those are super fun. So um, there was one this past weekend in San Francisco that was AI for climate. And it wasn't something that I would have ever thought of as the topic for a hackathon. And yet there were dozens and dozens of people gathered to focus on how AI could be applied to the climate problem. So these communities are all over. The, the nice thing is because we're a company of only 400 people, we don't really have the staffing today to create those communities ourselves. So, um, you know, a, a big part of what we're doing is trying to get the word out and then let those communities organically blossom. Mm, okay. Okay. I want to shift over to, to common misconceptions because there's a look, I mean, depending on the day you open up anything online and you'll see an article about something. And so, uh, it's, there's a filter, I think that's important here. What are what are some of the most like common misconceptions about, you know, open AI or AI that you have to address with new strategic accounts or existing accounts, just conversations you're in? What are some of those those common misconceptions? Great. So one of them is there's a real concern from business leaders around data. And I can say unequivocally that OpenAI does not train our models on any data that comes from our business customers, period, end of story. That's a super common misconception. And I understand it, right? We're all sensitive to the way our data is being used. Um, that's a big one. Another 
related one that I get is that OpenAI can't work with highly regulated industries because um, of these data issues. Yep, so I, hear that too. Um, I know on one of your your previous podcasts, somebody asked, is OpenAI HIPAA compliant? Um, we are. Um, we also work with highly regulated financial services companies. So that's an, another misconception out there. You know, I think a third, and this is less a misconception, but a lot of people think of OpenAI as ChatGPT. And, uh, you know, my job is primarily to sell the tools that you can build your own product like ChatGPT on top of. And, you know, the the vast majority of ways in, that people will interact with AI will be through companies building on top of OpenAI's models and OpenAI being completely invisible in the, and in the background. And so that's, I think, a big part of the shift in AI is it's not just about ChatGPT, this killer product. It's also about all these killer products built on top of the OpenAI platform. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I mean, like there, of course, there's people I mean, I run into people all the time where it's like, AI is going to replace, you know, all human jobs and all these things. And it's like, it, AI has the potential to automate certain things. It's, it's more likely, you know, to to change jobs rather than replace them because it can upskill, the upskill potential is ridiculous. So that's another one that I get, I get posed a lot about. And then the other one that I'm curious on your own is like AI, AI understands and experiences emotions, right? And that's also like not accurate, doesn't have feelings or consciousness, right? <laughs> uh, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> I think one mistake that people make uh, often is to to think of AI as human. Um, so giving it a human name or something like that. And I think that can reinforce this idea that it's um, that it has human emotions and it's a tool. It's an assistant uh, for you, um, I think is a much healthier and more accurate way of thinking about uh, open AI's technology. Do you find people are asking you about AI is going to inevitably lead to this dystopian future? Like, do you find yourself kind of getting into those conversations? And if so, how do you, what do you, how do you navigate that? You know, we, we have a lot of those conversations at open AI. So we have a, a team, a very large team focused on AI safety. And there's a term we use in the industry called alignment. Um, and, and essentially what alignment means is we're, um, we're focused on aligning AI to the things that matter uh, most to humanity, to the values that we have as humans. Um, and that's a really, really difficult problem, right? Because you've got to make sure that uh, AI understands what you want uh, AI to do. And you know, for all of us who've used ChatGPT, sometimes you ask it a question, it doesn't answer perfectly. Um, so we have those robust debates internally. I think it'd be really unhealthy if we didn't. The AI community generally is really, really focused on making sure that we get it right. So, you know, Sam, Sam was on the Hill uh, talking to uh, Congress the other week, and he said, you know, we have to get this right. So um, I don't think it's, it's silly at all um, for us to have those discussions about what the future looks like. I actually think it's like critical that we do. Mm, I love that. So take us into really kind of what you see coming down the pipeline, kind of as we wrap up, like you you certainly are, you know, you're surrounded by so much innovation and opportunity and potential. And you're literally in these conversations with brands of all shapes and sizes, talking about what's possible using this technology. 
take us into kind of, yeah, what you think's coming down the pipe. And I, I, I'm not going to say five years down the road because the way we're moving now, let's just go maybe f- six months or a year down the road. But just the future for for James and what you see coming in this in this really interesting space that you're in. What do you see happening? How does how do you see it getting better? What are you super stoked on? Sure. I'll share one example that I'm super stoked on. And there, there are a number of other areas where you'll see uh, improvement from OpenAI. But this is one that I think your audience will get excited about. Um, and that is OpenAI is about to, and we've demoed this, our models are about to incorporate vision. And so uh, our president, Greg Brockman, he, he demonstrated this when we launched GPT-4. He drew on a napkin a like very rough outline of a website. And uh, he took a picture of it with his phone and he asked ChatGPT to write the code for this very crudely drawn website on a napkin that he, he had just finished making. And within 10 seconds, the code was written and he pushed the page to production. That vision capability is going to unlock so many exciting use cases. So examples that we have demoed, um, and they're really fun demos, I have to tell you, uh, is you can take a picture of a the inside of a refrigerator. So you can see all the food and everything and, um, and ask GPT-4, what should I have for breakfast? And GPT-4 will be able to look at that image and say, well, in the refrigerator, you've got sour cream and cheese and eggs. Um, you're just a couple, you know, bell peppers away from huevos rancheros. <laughs> and that, like, literally, that is the, yep. th- that's yep. the capability. Or, um, you know, how hard it is to set up your Wi-Fi router at home. You can take a picture of the back of your Wi-Fi router and say, what did I do wrong here? And GPT-4 will be able to answer that question. So we've written about this. It's not yet live for the public. We're still working on things. There's one organization that's using this technology, which is Be My Eyes. Um, It's an organization that helps blind people. And so you can imagine how valuable this is for them. They can uh, take a picture of the world around them and then get text or audio feedback back to help them understand um, uh, you know what's uh, you know what's in their environment. So that is something that I'm super excited about. And going back to the point you made earlier about you know what are those innovations that people are going to come up with? I can't wait to see what people will be doing with the vision capabilities that OpenAI has. I love it. Okay, we got about five minutes. Let's get into some fun lightning round questions and wrap up. Okay, deal. All right, first lightning round questions for James Diet, head of strategic accounts for OpenAI. What is the funniest thing you've ever witnessed during a Zoom meeting or video remote meeting? It was somebody thinking they were they were making a direct message and sending it to the entire <laughs> Zoom call, and I won't say what it was. Okay, okay. What is your least favorite business buzzword? Ooh. Okay, I use this word a lot, so I'm I'm as guilty as anyone else, but leverage. You know, we're going to oh. leverage this or leverage that and it's just uh, it's a little bit much. So, I apologize to everybody. <laughs> what was the first thing you thought about this morning? Surfing. Oh, okay. If you could use marketing to send a message to the entire world, if if James, you could put billboards everywhere on the world, what message would you say on those billboards? Assume good intent. Like that. I'm really curious about this one. What is a movie quote 
or song lyric that describes your working style, your management style? So for me, I, I guess I would say Let It Go from Frozen. Just let it go. Let it go, Jeremy. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. What is one uh, popular thing or activity that you wish you enjoyed more? And not, don't say sleep besides that. Well, yeah. Um, I wish I enjoyed watching TV more. I'm totally out of the loop on like anytime somebody mentions Game of Thrones or Succession, I'm the person who just goes blank. So I wish I, I, I wish I was more of a TV guy. What is one of the best pieces of business advice you've ever received? Oh, listen more. Listen more. Always listen more. That's the one. That's great. That is actually when I get some of these executives on and I ask them kind of like if they, you know, how, what skill, what's the one skill they've really cultivated, right? To, to, to climb to the top of this, the C-suite and be in charge of so much. And they say listening. Listening is one thing that comes up. So I, I love that one. Um, if you were to devote the rest of your life to philanthropy, not open AI, well, the open AI, you could argue it is philanthropy, but if you could devote your life to the to philanthropy, what cause would you choose? So I taught public speaking in prison for, for six years. And wow. I am super passionate about uh, prison education. I love that. No one's ever said that before. That's cool. And then last question is, what items are on your bucket list for this year? What is, what is James going to do this year in 2023? I am going to surf in San Diego, which I've never done before. And I'm going to be on a podcast with Jeremy and I, I'm, I'm checking that off. Um, but in, uh, yeah, in all seriousness, it's been an amazing year so far. I feel like I've already, already hit my bucket list items. I love it. I love it. Well, James, this has been a, an exceptional conversation. This was one that I know as a, a, a deep nerd in the space that you're such an advocate for, just excited and really bullish on on where you're headed, where this OpenAI family is headed. So just c congratulations. I know that you have a lot to do and you chose to, to be a part of our, our, our show. And so thank you so much for being here. And thanks for making time to be on Marketing Trends. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Jeremy.